You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day and happy uh, Women of Influence Day as well. Uh, happy Dog Mother's Day. I know there's a few dog mothers, right? Uh, is, is Becca here? Is Becca here? Where is Becca? Okay, happy Dog Mother's Day. Happy Dog Mother's Day, Gracia, Katia, and a few others. Um, and happy, again, Women of... Oh, that's right, that's right, Abby. Uh, and happy Women of Influence Day as well. Thank you for your love, devotion. Um, we're not doing a, a Mother's Day sermon today. Um, today I'm sharing uh, basically something that I haven't processed a lot in written form here. It's just kind of, let's call it personal encouragement um, based on stuff that I'm going through. And so, uh, you know, perfectly, of course, the Holy Spirit orchestrates things. A lot of what we've talked about here today on worship uh, up here, uh, our, our friends, the worship team, uh, and JP is really uh, tied to a lot of what I'm going to share here today. And so it's not, I don't know if it's organized or not, at, you know, uh, like I said, it's, it's a lot of my own personal turmoil and how I'm processing it with God. Um, if I had to give a title to today's sermon, it would be Finding God in the Trial. Finding God in the Trial. Um, because I think many of you probably can relate. It's, it's, it's good to hear that, that the trial will end and that there's something else on the other side of the trial and that God is using the trial for good and that he's, he's preparing a weight of glory using that trial. But when you're in the trial, it's still hard to concentrate on the other side of the trial. Uh, it's still hard and, and you go to the... To, to the Bible, you go to the Psalms and you read the psalmist crying out, how long? Because sometimes the trial is just too long. Sometimes it feels like, well, God, where are you, right? And, and that's where I want to share that God meets you in the trial. Um, I want us to read Psalm 27, the whole thing, which will be our main scripture for the day, but we'll dive into other areas as, where, uh, as well. Um, Psalm 27, it's got 14 verses, verses 1 through 14. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, but you can read from any translation that you have. Excuse me. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me 
high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have arisen, or have risen, excuse me, against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I... I played a lot of basketball in high school. It, you know, it, it was an escape, um, and uh, it was it was my my thing. Like I loved playing basketball. I played basketball every day in high school, um, and um, you know, not everyone takes a toll from uh, a youth of athletics, but in my case, I did. You know, many of you grew up doing, uh, you know doing athletics when you were in high school. And depending on your genetic predispositions, you may have issues to deal with or not. And so I did my undergrad, I didn't play basketball. <laughs> um, I, did, uh, I went to graduate school in Arizona. I'm originally from Puerto Rico. And one day I'm just playing recreationally at the rec center at Arizona State University. Um, and a guy kind of falls funny on my back. Not fall directly on my back. He just kind of like momentarily sat on my shoulder for, a, for a, a, a microsecond. Nothing happened. I was like, that could, that could have been something. And as I'm going back on defense and I, and I set myself to play defense, something locked and something hurt a lot. Uh, and the game was ending, so I was able to kind of like limp through it and get out, I'm like, okay, I really hurt my back. Something just happened, I really hurt my back. Um, and that injury progressed into what's been a chronic issue till this day. Uh, and for those of you that know me and that know about this back issue, some of you have seen me struggle through this throughout the years. Some of you have seen me not be able to sit straight in the chairs throughout the years. Some of you have, have known directly of the pain. Um, and I've gone through every, not every specialist, but a lot of specialists have done MRIs and scans and, you know, the works. Just saw a neurosurgeon this last Wednesday. Um, and one of the things that is really frustrating for me is I have that cry of the psalmist that says, how long? Uh, because when these flare-ups happen, and this is, this is probably the worst one I've had. Um, I'm on a lot of pain meds, that's why I'm standing. <laughs> so I'm a little high. <laughs> legally, no, I shouldn't say legally high. Medically legally high. 
<laughs> still, right? Still, no, yeah. All right. Well, you see, this is what happens. All right. I'm on a lot of pain meds. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, I took a weird detour. But here's, here's the thing. Um, I, the more I've struggled throughout the years and the more I've, I've tried to um, deal with this, this is the worst flare-up that I've had, uh, the more frustrated I become and because it paralyzes me. It stops me from doing the things that I love. I love to teach mathematics. That's what I do for a living. Uh, I love to talk with people. Uh, I, I love sports. I can't really do sports anymore, not to the degree I, I used to be able to do 10, 15 years ago. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just really, really frustrating and I want to say it was maybe Saturday or the Saturday before that. I'm lying on my bed. Katya's trying to help me get into bed, and I'm lying down, and the pain is so much, I start crying because the, the, the pain was so unbearable. And, and so all I kept praying was, God, heal me. Jesus, anything that we ask in your name, you can heal me. I know. I believe. Help my unbelief. I know you can heal me. You could heal me right now if you will it. If you will it, you can heal me right now. And the frustration to, in a sense, from my sinful perspective here, silence. Um, and the pain not go away. And me not be able to do the things that I feel God has called me to bless others with. It could be, it could be daunting. And when you get to that point, um, I think that the one thing that my soul cries out, and maybe some of you can relate to, is that you just want to know that God is with you. If, if he's not going to heal this pain, if he's not going to solve this issue right now, can you just let me know that you are here? I believe, but help my unbelief. I know you're with me. You said you will never leave or forsake us to the, to the, to, to the people of Israel. And you continue that, that promise to us in Jesus who tells his disciples at the Great Commission, I am with you always. I know you are with me, God, but can, you, can, can, you, can I feel your ruach? Can I feel your breath? Can I feel your Holy Spirit right now? Can I feel you? Can I be aware of your presence right now? Because I just, I just, I just need that right now. I need, I know you're with me. Can you make it felt? Because right now, the pain is so much, I can't think on anything. And the stuff that's happening in life is so much, I just need to, to sense it. I just need to feel your embrace. And God promises to do that. And that is the one promise we can always cash in on. Point number one, God invites you to meet him and you can cash that promise. I don't know if he's healed you from what you are dealing with physically, 
mentally, emotionally. I don't know if he solved that situation in your family. I don't know. Like there's a lot of cries and situations that are chronic, just like my chronic back pain. There's a lot of chronic things that all of you are praying over and that you're waiting and it just doesn't resolve, right? You know what I'm talking about. We've got, we've got chronic issues and we're waiting for God to resolve them and and we're frustrated and we cry with the psalmist God how long how long till I mean I know this is a trial I know there's something on the other side of it but can you please do something because I'm I'm at my end God invites you to meet him and you can cash on that promise You might not see the resolution of this trial right now. But while you're waiting, you can meet him right now. In this psalm, verses 7 through 8, the main petition of the psalmist is precisely that. Now there are other things because after that main petition, he does say, he does ask for more. But the main petition, he says, if I'm going to ask for one thing, Here it is. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Meet me. In that same psalm, in Psalm 27, it's not on the screen right now, but it says, uh, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. God, can I be with you? I know you're with me always. Can I sense it? Can I sense your manifest presence right now because I need that embrace, not just the- some theoretical, yes, you're with me. Can I feel you? Because if I feel you, I know it's okay. Even if it hurts, even if I'm going through this trial right now, I know if I feel you, that's it. I know if you're there, that's enough. That's all I need. That's all I want. We can cash on that. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. We can wait because we've met him. We can let our heart take courage because he is with us in the trial. As Pete Gregg once said, God doesn't, we, we sometimes want God to come and helicopter us out of our living hell. And what he does is he parachutes into the storm. He parachutes into the battle with you. He is in the valley with you. I will not fear for you are with me. In Psalm 62, it says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. We were singing that today. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Meet him. Right? Pour out your heart 
before him. The main thing you can get out of God right now while you wait for the other side of the trial is God right now. You can get the presence, the manifestation of his presence in you right now to comfort you, to let you know he is with you and will never forsake you. Pour out your heart before him. Do it. Cry. Let him know. Yes. I can't take it anymore, God. Where are you? Here's the thing, though. There is comfort in knowing we can wait. There is comfort in knowing we can wait. We can wait because God takes the trials of our life and he turns them what the enemy and what the cosmic powers intend for us to be something bad, God flips the script. He flips the script. And so this, this, this is actually the third point, James, if I'm throwing you all over the place. <laughs> God flips the script on the bad parts of your trial. The cosmic powers of this present dark age are defeated by God through their own weapon. That's a lot, and I want to unpack it. If you're wondering why the heck you're going through the trial, God flips the script on the bad parts of the trial. The cosmic powers of this present dark age are defeated by God through their own weapon. See what the enemy, what the cosmic powers that are already defeated are throwing your way, that are making your life miserable? God, yes, it's happening, but God is going to flip the script. He's like a spiritual judoka. He does spiritual judo. He takes it, the own attack, and flips it on them. It's amazing. And this is a theme that's found throughout the whole of the biblical narrative. If you go to Genesis 50, Joseph tells us of it. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me when he's speaking to his brothers, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What evil intends to do, God, he judo flips it. He judo flips that trial and uses the trial to bless others through you, just like he did with Joseph. And again, this is present throughout the whole biblical narrative. We're promised in Genesis, we're told at the very fall, at the very beginning of Genesis, that the serpent's head will be crushed. And that is a theme that's all over the place. Though it bruises the heel of the one who crushes the serpent, it, can, it, it still crushes the head of the serpent. And what you find is that that's a, that's a theme that's all over the biblical narrative. When you look at David and Goliath, we like to place ourselves in the place of David, and we like to think that we're conquering our own Goliaths. But in reality, David is a pre-Jesus. We're not David facing our giants. We're the Israelites that are standing behind the scene waiting for David to do his battle. We're not David. <laughs> We're the Israelites. David is fighting the battle for us, right? And here's the thing. The, the Hebrew word for serpent has the same root word as the word bronze. And when you look, for example, in 1 Samuel 17, 
when you look at the description of Goliath, and James, I'm going to skip to verse 5 uh, here of 1 Samuel 17. Uh, speaking of Goliath, it says, He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, that's twice, and he had bronze, that's three times armor, on his legs, and a javelin of bronze, that's four times slung between his shoulders. Now, to an ancient Hebrew reader of the Old Testament, you're seeing serpent, serpent, serpent. You're seeing a guy that looks like he's got the scales of a serpent. He is the serpent. Now, here's what's funny. Technically, when David kills Goliath, he doesn't use a sword he has. And yes, we know that he doesn't even use a sword. Well, not exactly. He does use a sword. Let's read through chapter 17, verse 38. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. This is also important. He put a helmet of bronze, serpent-like, on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. Saul wanted David to deal with it the way the cosmic powers deal with it. David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. He's got no sword on him. Keep this in mind. Then he took, off, took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Then later it says, a few verses later, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck, excuse me, the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword. Whose sword? Yeah, took Goliath's sword. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. The head of the serpent. The head of the serpent. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. David used, he flipped the script. He took the sword of the serpent and crushed the head of the serpent. God takes what the enemy intends to use to defeat you in your trial. He flips the script and he does life. That's the great biblical irony of God's poetic justice. Think about it. Jesus, his coronation as king of the Jews is on the cross. How did he defeat death? He died. It is the one, one of the constant themes that you will find through the biblical narrative is that God, he doesn't follow the ways of the world. Here comes Saul to put on David this, this scaly, serpent-like approach to defeating the trial. And what does God do? No. God says, I, I do things differently. And I'm going to take your very sword and use it to defeat you. I'm going to kill death. By dying, I flip the script. God flips the script on the bad parts of the trial. The cosmic powers of this present dark age are defeated by God through their own weapon. If you're struggling through this trial, 
please know God is flipping the script. I don't know how, because I don't know how in my own life. I don't know how this debilitating, frustrating thing that I have experienced for over 10 years and that cripples me, that doesn't allow me to do the things I feel I can do to bless others. I don't know how this is going to be flipped, but it's happening. That's what God does. He flips the script. He turns the trial, what the cosmic powers, the evil present age, it's already defeated, it's already on the run. What they intend, God uses for good. It was at the beginning with the serpent. It was with Joseph and his brothers. It was with Goliath and many other places. And it's with Jesus, who is crowned king of the Jews on the cross, inaugurates his kingdom by dying. I can take comfort in that. I can take comfort in that because even though I don't know what this trial is going to turn out to be, I don't know, is God going to heal me one day of this? I don't know. I know in the new heavens and earth, when I have a body, a new body like the risen Jesus, like the one he has, it will be done. But will it be done before that? I don't know. Here's the final point I want to make. While we wait, we can meet God now as the ultimate comfort and desire. While we wait, we can meet God now. If you're waiting like me, you can meet God now. And I mean tangibly, not theoretically, though that's important. I mean the tangible presence of God. He invites you over and over and again, again in the Bible to seek him. Seek him. If you seek me with all your heart, then that's when you find God. Seek my face, as it said in Psalm 27. He invites you over and over to experience it. Jesus says he will come into you and manifest himself in you, in John, in the Gospel of John. It is the one constant promise we can experience right now. Again, Psalm 27, one thing I have asked, verse 4, of the Lord. This is the main cry, the main, the, the, the primary request of the psalmist here that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, for he will lift me high upon a rock. If you were an Israelite in exile and you often prayed this, you were looking forward to the day that one day you would be in Jerusalem in the temple and be able to be in the presence of God. That you may dwell, as it says there, in the house of the Lord. No longer. We are his dwelling place. We are the temple of God. We are the temple of God. Your body, this corporate body, this assembly, the believers worldwide, we are the dwelling place, place of God. We are his people, the new Jerusalem in the new heaven and earth. We are literally where God lives. 
He dwells in us. He is in you right now. This cry, you can meet Him right now tangibly. And He loves to comfort those that are broken. Psalm 34, 18, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Matthew 5, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It doesn't say, Blessed are those who are, who are Calvinists and who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It doesn't say, Blessed are those who are, um, you know, Reformed, or those that are Arminianists, or those that are Pentecostal, or those that are Meth... No, no, no. Blessed, it doesn't even say, Blessed are those who are Christian. Blessed those who mourn, period. They shall be comforted. Period. You mourn, you will be comforted if you seek the Father. If you seek the comfort of God. This last Tuesday, my wife calls me, and I'm not going to share specifics because it pertains to her, and I'm already in pain and going through the ringer, and she informs me of some things that she is experiencing and her family as well. Different things. Two different things that she is experiencing and then another thing that her family is experiencing. And it's to a degree where we're kind of both in tears at this point. And I tell her later on, she comes to me that day and I tell her, I'm pretty sure we're under a spiritual attack. I'm pretty sure the cosmic powers have thrown something our way. I'm pretty sure of it. Before she came back home that day, frustrated, I walk into the living room. Because I can't, the thing is, once I get my meds in the system, I have to stand all day. I can't sit. That's why when you all sat down during the scripture reading and JP was talking, I was at the door standing because I can't sit. Once I stand, I can't sit. So I go to the living room because I'm trying to find a place to pray because I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done and I'm almost yelling at God. I'm shaking my fist, and I'm, I go into the living room, and uh, there, there's a chair, and at least I can do this. Like, if I can't, I can do this. I can kneel like this. <laughs> I can kneel like that. And so I, I kneel like that on a chair, and I start praying. And I say, God, I'm pretty sure this is a trial. I'm pretty sure right now we are under some heavy attack. And I've been asking you to heal me, I've been asking you for you to restore this situation that she's dealing with and the other situation that her family is dealing with. And right now, words I texted to Pastor Jason that day or the day after, everything is falling apart in our lives. Everything is falling apart in our lives. And I'm praying on that chair. I'm kneeling. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm saying, God, like I, I, I know you're putting us through this, this trial right now. I know that, that I, I just have to trust. And, but I just need to know you're with me. Because this attack, it's, just, it's too much. And this is going to sound weird. This is going to sound weird because some of you aren't dog parents like I am. I don't have kids. But I saw my dogs. They're always next to me. They're sitting in the living room. And they were there. And so I, I, I just prayed, God, thank you that the attack didn't involve taking them away. You know, thank you that the attack didn't involve taking them away because I think that would be too much and I'd be, I'd be done. And so I'm, I'm praying that and then I start saying, God, just let me know you're with me. 
Let me know you're with me. I need, I, I know it, but I need to feel it. Can you let me feel that you are with me? And so I'm praying that, right? Katya comes home. I tell her about, I think this is an attack. I even tell her, I'm just thankful that we, that I, even though these are old dogs, we still have them, that they're protected. Because, you know, they sleep in my bed every day. <laughs> um, Later that afternoon, I go to walk the dogs. I'm outside. And uh, there's another dog on the other side of the street. He starts barking. And my dogs, they're very territorial. Um, and so one of the two dogs starts doing a fit. And I try to kneel down. I can't because my back is hurting to grab one, the one that's really throwing a fit. And I accidentally let go of the other dog. And when I accidentally let, let go of the other dog, I'm behind these bushes, and she doesn't, she really just kind of, like she, she's terrified. So she just barks and stays at a distance. So I'm not seeing it. I'm assuming she's right there. And I go to pick up the dog, and I hear, like, cars stopping, beep, 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 the beeping. And I'm like, what just happened? Did, did, my, did my dog get impacted? Or did, did, and I go to the, to the street. I can't see my dog. All the cars have stopped, and my dog was at the other side of the street, miraculously, because they should have run her over. She's trying to fight with the other dog, stupid dog. <laughs> and this is the same day I prayed this. And as scary as that situation was, I felt that that was God telling me, I am with you. Because guess what? You were saying... Thank you that you've protected them. Yes, I'm protecting. Right now, that's what I'm doing. I don't know if my dogs are going to be with me tomorrow. But I can tell you, nothing felt more real in that moment than knowing God had responded to that same prayer that same day after I had told Katya that even though we're being crushed, He is still protecting us. And He is going to judo flip this. He is going to flip this script. I don't know how. And nothing felt more reassuring than God that day through the miraculous protection of my dog, knowing that God is with me in the trial. He didn't heal my back. He didn't solve the situation of Katya's family or the other situation Katya's... None of our situations are solved. They're all in the dump but I know he's with me. I know he's with me. And some of you, as the worship team comes back right now, some of you have a chronic, persistent trial in your life right now. And I, I don't want to, yes, if you want, pray for it to be resolved because I'm still praying for my back to be healed. And if God wants me to be healed right now, he will heal me. But what I do want you to do right now is to meet God right now if you have a chronic issue a chronic financial issue, a chronic marital issue, a chronic family issue, a depression, a chronic disease, whatever it is that is persistent, that just doesn't stop, that doesn't take the glove off your face, that just doesn't stop beating you up, whatever it is, let's meet God right now in the corporate moment that we are, this holy assembly this cloud of witnesses, 
Right now, we are the temple of the living God. He dwells here. This is his holy habitat. He is here. And he is here to meet you right now where you are to say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I know you're going through it right now. But as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You want to feel the comfort? Let's meet God right now. Let's meet. And, and again, we're not inviting him to be somewhere he wasn't. He is present. We're asking him to reveal, to open our eyes. Open our eyes that we would, we would witness wondrous things out of your law. Open our eyes that we would see the unseen. Open our eyes. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.